I think the message to uh, psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases all over the world is uh, do not mess with suburbanites because, uh, frankly, we're just not going to take it anymore. You know, we're not going to be content to look after our lawns and wax our cars, paint our houses. We're out to get them, Don. We are out to get them. Really? Hey guys, I'm Megan. You can't do this to me. <laughs> I've done this to you before. Hi, Meg. And I'm, I'm actually Meredith. And this is the Really Podcast. Two weeks in a row, you guys. Two who who would have thought? Who, who Not me. <laughs> I believed in us. But I see, I see uh, where your faith lies, <laughs> Meredith. Gonna bet on the winning horse, what can I say? Oh, whatever. I don't even like horses like that. <laughs> well, this is, like we said, the Really Podcast, and we are here today to talk about country music. I wish. Well, we're kind of gonna talk about it a little bit. We've been talking about it, just like regular conversation. Yes. Right? That was not a question. I did not mean to up that. <laughs> The inflection? Yeah. Of the inflection there? Right. But we've been talking about country music, just kind of, you know, talking about it. Because it's great, and it's, I feel, okay, so, it's not underrated, but to a point... I think it is. I think people hate it so much, and they don't need to. Well, within reason, which is kind of what we were talking about, it was the different subgenres and the original what people are allowed to hate and what people should recognize as truly truly great yes and in doing that we've decided that we would like to watch a movie that kind of talks about country music or focuses on it and then we talked about coal miner's daughter and walk the line mm-hmm. so and, and those are different options but if y'all have anything else, that'd be great. You should totally tell us. If you have a country music movie that you really love, let us know. Because we want to watch it too. But it better be good. Because, like, we're not talking modern country. Yeah. Uh, the Longest Ride. Uh, Barf. Actually, have I... Is that about, like, the... The Bull the, Rider. Yeah, Cole or whatever. I don't know, is it like a Nicholas name? Sparks book, right? I don't know. Well, no. Wait, I'm thinking about eight seconds. I'm thinking about a different movie. My bad. You said eight seconds, and I thought I thought it was eight mile. Yeah, no, totally <laughs> different. Totally different. Totally different. Ends of opposite spectrum. <laughs> but can yeah. you imagine? <laughs> Hook us up if you have a movie recommendation that would let us talk about good old fashioned country music. And we're talking the good old fashioned. Yes. 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 My chair is kind of creaky. It's okay. <laughs> it kind of goes with the movie, though, that we're talking about. You know, creaky furniture, um, a creaky house. Creaky porches. Creepy porches. Creepy houses. Just one word off. No, no, no. It's two letters off. And it's a letter. It's not a word. I'm getting confused. I'm confusing myself. This week we watched The Burbs, and we're here today to talk about The Burbs. And you know what? Last night on our Twitter, I did a poll to see if anybody had watched it, and majority said, what is that? 
I gave three options. I said, yes, no, what is that? Majority said, what is that? In my opinion, to answer that question, I will say that my opinion is that it is the last great era of Tom Hanks. Which is interesting. Go ahead and explain that. So there's a review on Letterboxd for this movie. It was published in 2012, um, where the person basically said that somewhere in the 90s, Tom Hanks went from making fun, comedy-type movies in exchange for making, like, serious, boring movies for old people. And I think that's right. Like, I agree. And I think The Burbs was definitely one of the last of the comedy movies. Because there was definitely a quirk about all of the comedy movies that Tom Hanks made. Maybe it was Joe Dante. I don't know. But I feel like a few years after The Burbs, we kind of, like, lost that style of Tom Hanks film. And it just, I don't think his movies are super special anymore the way that a movie like The Burbs or, like, Joe versus the Volcano would be special, you know? It definitely has that specific style to it, which (laughs) is something that we'll get into later. I mean, had to say it. Had to say it. Um, But... To kind of get us started, let's go off on to plot, and you're always the best at that, so I'm going to let you do it. So, basically, we're introduced to this street, I think it's like Mayfield Place is Mm -hmm. the name of the street, and it's a long weekend, so everybody's kind of relaxing or trying to go on vacation or whatever, and you have a family, like Tom Hanks' character's family, right? And his wife and his son want to go to the cabin and just go camping for the weekend. He wants to stay. He's taken the whole week off of work because he's been kind of stressed out lately. And, of course, all of his neighbors are, like, different kinds of crazy. And one of his neighbors plants this little conspiracy in his brain that the house right next door to him is full of murderers, like grave-digging... Satan-worshipping murderers. murderers. (laughs) So... They all kind of, like, teeter around, like, who's going to go meet this family? They've lived here for a month. Their yard is disgusting. Their house is falling apart. Like, they're really kind of mucking up our whole street. Who's going to go and introduce themselves and, like, talk to this family, get to know them? The HOA are losing their minds. If there was an HOA on that street, that that house would have been torn down. Oh, yeah, definitely. But they they eventually, two families go to meet this mysterious family, and they find out that one of the one of the like heads of the household is a doctor, and they're going to be gone. All of them are going to be gone for a conference, um, like the next day. So the men of the street get together to hatch this plan that they're going to break into this mysterious house and find out where the bodies are. Because they had another neighbor who went missing, and they, like, the biggest, the big guess of, like, what happened was that the new family took that guy and killed him. And they even, like, found a bone, a femur bone, to be like, okay, this is crazy. Like, this is definitely the old man, right? Yes. So, it kind of weaves in and out of, did did they do this? Did they not do this? Like, are they crazy murderers or are they not? And like, to me, I know the first time I watched it, it was like, 
there were like two or three different fake outs where you're like, oh, these people are definitely murderers. And you're like, well, actually, they have an alibi. Like, they have a reason why, no, that's not what happened. And you're like, maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Until finally, like, yeah, they are. <laughs> you know, this is the second movie in a row where it's kind of been like that. Like, with Scream, it was kind of like that. But more of, like, who did it rather than if they, you Yeah, know? it was more, it, Scream was a who done it. <laughs> this was a... Did they do it? <laughs> Who done it versus what is it? Oh yes, yes, yes. Good, good. But still, still like a fun, lighthearted mystery, you know. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and I mean, in the end, it, they 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 did it. Yeah, they were definitely they, they were definitely murderers. They had a trunk full of bones. I mean, full of bones. Like full. Bones like, and skulls. There's and, a ton of skulls. Yeah, that like a lot at of least people. four. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I swear there was four. Maybe five. Am I imagining things? Well, I mean, it was full. Like, how many... You, you probably know this. How many bones are in the human body? Like, 200. 206. So, 206 times four or five is, like, almost a thousand of bones. A thousand of bones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, but I swear to God, I saw more Maybe skulls. they had a spare tire back there, so the bones were stacked on the spare tire, made it look like there was more. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, at that point, if, if, if they got a flat tire, they would have to open the trunk to get that spare tire in public. Yeah. Are they going to do they'd that? They'd send the kid to do it. <laughs> really? You think so? Anyway, but now that I've been, we've been talking ambiguously about the characters, why don't we maybe give them some names and kind of talk about, like, who they are before we talk about some of the, like, fun, fun things we found about the movie. Definitely. So, the first character, the main character we're going to talk about is Ray. He is kind of, I would say, the most sane person on the block. To an extent. I mean, I feel like... I feel like the most sane person on the block isn't Ray, but it's his wife. I mean, yeah. Carol Peterson is the sane one. Because I feel like Ray, while he has a pretty, like, level head about what's going on, like, people really need to convince him, like, hey, your neighbors are murderers. Mm -hmm. But he eventually, like, does buy it, and he does go crazy with it, to the point of digging so deep into their basement that he hits the gas line and blows up their house. Like, and there's so many, like signature Tom Hanks freakouts in this movie, he is not <laughs> the most sane. He is unhinged. Maybe he's the most sane of the men. That's what, yeah. But of all of the characters, I'm gonna have to say it's his wife, Carol, who the whole time is like, you need to relax, you need to, like, come on vacation with us, get to know your neighbors, like, don't, don't go snooping around. Like, if Ray would have listened to his wife from the very beginning, we wouldn't have even had a movie. I'm glad he didn't listen to his wife, because I like this movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, it is a good movie. And then... And then there's Art, oh. who's kind of like the... the I don't want to say perpetrator, but he pushes everything. 
He's the one who, like, planted the idea that there's murderers on the street. He tells tales of other people who went crazy and murdered their family and hid them in the basement in their town, like, a long time ago. And he's just, like, very willing to do whatever it takes to find out who these people are and, like, quote-unquote bust them. He is my least favorite character. Uh, as much of a goofball as he is, he's probably the most se- sexist. Yes. Um. Which we'll get into that later. <laughs> the dumbest. Well. The, uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kombucha girl. <laughs> we just both did that. <laughs> and he's just, ugh. Like even in like the end he's just so he also is very similar to cotton from scream in that when this whole thing was over he was like we're gonna be on tv like never mind the totally traumatic thing that just happened and the fact that you just blew up some guy's house like granted he was a murderer but (laughs) still i mean like you blew up his house before you knew that was a fact (laughs) exactly that's so true (laughs) Like, you were willing to do so much to prove that this family was, like, crazy that you (laughs) could have potentially destroyed an innocent family's life. Yeah, or... All uh, based on the fact that they have a Slavic name and an unkempt yard. Yes, that's, like, one of the big things to this movie. And something we can especially talk about for Mr. Rumsfeld. Yeah, which we can go ahead and talk about him now. Yeah, so Mr. Rumsfeld is, really reminds me of Dale Gribble from (laughs) King of the Hill to an extent. He's not so much of a conspiracy theorist as Dale is, but he has just that weird, for some reason, military... Well, he was a Vietnam veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, but another similar thing is they both have wives who are, like, considered super beautiful. Big blonde hair, right? That's true. That's true. Oh, my god! And you're like, how did, how did he end up marrying her? I know. And he's old, and she's very young. But that's not Dale and Nancy. Right. That's Rumsfeld and his wife. Yeah. But he is kind of... He, he... Because I... And I don't want to give an excuse but I feel like because of his prior military service and just him being old he has a tendency to say a little bit of like non-PC like racial xenophobic yeah things yeah he definitely he was definitely I feel like he was more hung up on the idea that his neighbor's were immigrants because they had a Slavic name and he was like, yeah, they must be doing something evil. Yes. Where, like, Art and Ray were like, there's weird noises coming from their basement, power is, like, going out, like, all kinds of, like, weird things are happening, whereas Mr. Rumsfeld is like, hmm, Klopek, I wonder where that name's from. And he even says it to their faces! Yes. (laughs) Oh my god, like... No shame. In addition no shame. to all the military gear he has, he also has the audacity. Uh, yeah. Yes. His, I'm assuming his house is like, what What are those 
military places where you can just like go and buy stuff. Arsenal? No. 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 They're like they're like thrift shops but for military stuff. Like a surplus? Yeah. I think so. Huh. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and then we have We have Walter. Oh Ricky. Ricky. Ricky's more important than Walter, so let's talk about him next. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Ricky is very much uh like an Amanda show, totally Kyle type character. He's got like the the hockey flow, long hair and metal head. He his parents nowhere to be found. Uh-uh. I think they're gone for the weekend. Yes. Left him at home to paint the house. <laughs> Doesn't paint anything. Maybe spills some paint. And he paints the porch. But he's <laughs> he's very invested in what Ray Art and Mr. Rumsfield are doing. And he kind of has like a weird feud with Mr. Rumsfield almost because, you know, it's like uptight old man neighbor versus <laughs> teen teenager, you know? And the only person in that feud that's actually feuding is Rumsfield. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, Ricky's just having a good time. <laughs> yeah, he he just does not care. He's probably like He's high the whole time, honestly. Picking on an easy target. Yeah, exactly. He's also played by Corey Feldman. Which, so like, if you know who Corey Feldman is, I'm sure you can like picture the character a little bit better. But I would like to also, side note, in The Lost Boys, Corey Feldman, I think that one came out maybe before this one, but Corey Feldman in The, in the Lost Boys was a Mr. Rumsfeld type character, except instead of being xenophobic, he hated vampires. <laughs> mm, mm. Also, if you don't know, didn't know who Corey Feldman is, he was in The Goonies, kind of as yeah, a similar character. He was the mouth. Yeah. Or mouth or whatever in the Goonies. Just being just kind of like a blech. Also, I think he was in a bunch of the Friday the 13th movies. Not the original one, but a bunch of the, like, the later ones. Interesting. Have to watch those. Next, we have Walter, who kind of sparks what happens in the film. Like, some interest. Believe it or not, Mr. Rumsfield also has a feud with Walter. <laughs> because his dog, Walter's dog uses the Rumsfield's lawn as a bathroom. So he doesn't like that. He has to keep everything like super perfect. But Walter, I feel like he's also a kind of uppity character. Very posh. He has a toupee. And his, I mean, his dog is a white poodle, like a miniature white poodle. Yeah. So, I mean, you get the idea. Yeah. And I think Megan is right with like sparking all of this because he's the neighbor that goes missing. And it's, like, missing with weird circumstances. Like, the dog is loose outside, which would, like, never happen. Mm-hmm. Especially for someone like Walter. Right. And then when they break into his house to, like, see if he's in there, they see a chair knocked over, and they call it, like, a sign of struggle. And then they see that he left his toupee in the kitchen on the stove. Mr. Rumsfeld says, these old people, they never leave the house without their toupee. Without their hair. Without their hair. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of true. Or was that Art that said that? I feel like both could say it. Both of them could have said it, but I feel like just thinking about, ah, you know, those old guys, they never leave home without their hair. Just like the way that it was said, I'm thinking it was Art. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Was Ricky in there? 
Yes, but he was upstairs. Oh, yeah, like just messing around. Quote, unquote, looking in case he was in a bathtub or something. Yes, <laughs> I remember. But Ray was like, don't touch anything. <laughs> he knew he was going to steal something. <laughs> and then we have... Uh, Carol, we already kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. She's Ray's wife. She's kind of like the voice of reason. And she's really backed up by Bonnie, who's Mr. Rums- Rumfield's wife. And she's definitely like an object of the street because everybody is constantly staring at her. Yes, which is funny. Well, not funny, but like at one point, whenever I think, oh, yeah, the one of the Clopex goes to take out the trash or do something outside, there, uh, Bonnie says, oh, we shouldn't be staring, you know? Like, yeah, it's, it's nice just kind woman. of like, yeah, it's just kind of like ironic. But she's always like, she's got super summer attire, like tube tops and skirts, and she's always, no matter what, even in her pajamas, wearing high heels. We, I respect it. <laughs> I respect it. I couldn't do it, but I respect it. But she's kind of in like the same train with Carol of like, we should get to know these people. And at one point when they're going to meet, meet them she's like i bet we can find more in five minutes of friendly conversation than you could find in two months of snooping (laughs) exactly and i feel like yeah it's very tropey in that way but well i feel like all of the characters are really tropey i agree but i think like in a in the case of like this style of comedy i think it really helps Mm -hmm. and that's something that joe dante did mention is that it's a collection of character incidents. He said that in, like, an interview. And I that's so true. I mean, if it weren't for the characters being as stupid as they are, none of this would have happened. Right. It wouldn't have. But let's go on to the antagonists, or the potential antagonists, because we don't know right up until the, the last, very end. The like, 20... 20- the thing about this is that everything is speculative until the last 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's when all of the, like, face-to-face conflict happens. Yes. And boy, is it something. <laughs> well, for the Klopeks, let's talk about Hans first, because that's who we see first. As soon as I saw him, I was like... Is that guy from Children of the Corn? And sure enough, he is. He plays Malachi in Children of the Corn. He's the the red-headed kid who is actually kind of creepy. Yes. And I was watching some interviews with him today, and he was just, like, the nice dude. Like, yeah. But, um, like, you were saying, what did you say yesterday? That must be, like, the worst kind of typecasting because early in your career, you're getting cast as these, like creepy kids who kill people I mean and then that's like you're gonna be stuck with that the rest of your life if you wanted to be the hero in some movie you you wouldn't be able to do it because you'd just be when people see you the first thing they think of is that's children Malachi. of the corn yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he like killed people and like tortured children and the children of corn and then next we have Reuben Reuben is the short 
quiet type. Yeah, he's the uncle. I think he's Hans's uncle. But then again, I don't... It's weird. I don't know if there's a, like, a parent there. I don't know if it's, like, Hans has a parent or if he's just with, like, extended family. There's no, like, matriarchal Yeah, figure. there's actually, like, no... Other than knowing that Reuben is Hans's uncle, I don't think there's, like, any family structure. Mm-mm, at all. Which is very weird, because maybe they're not family. I mean, he is, well, they're, they have white hair because they're so old, but. He's got the red hair. But then in one of the, like, alternate scenes, he doesn't know when his birthday is. Yeah, oh. So, like, maybe the other two don't know when his birthday is. That's why he, they wait, never told him. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Fan theory. <laughs> Not only are they psycho killers, they cradle snatched this kid. <laughs> Fan theory. I don't know if Malachi died. I forgot if Malachi died or not in Children of the Corn. I don't think he did. I don't know. Anyway, what if after Children of the Corn, because after Children of the Corn, the Klopeks come by and they pick Malachi up, change his name, make him forget everything of his past life because they, they don't have parents anymore. Took him. Well, I'm sure once he got, <laughs> I'm sure once he got far enough away from the evil of the cornfield, that started just like wearing off anyway, because that was like an evil entity that was like forcing them to be that way. Oh my god, I think we just did something. <laughs> this is that theory is probably already out there, but I swear to God, I did not look into it. I anything. didn't look into it. So, <laughs> theory, Malachi is actually. <laughs> Oh my god. How strange. (laughs) Okay, Reuben. Then, then, yeah, so Reuben, he's kind of weird. I mean, they're all weird, that's the point. But he's the kind of weird, like, he's very blunt about what he has to say. So when everybody comes over, he has no quarrels being like, "Uh, I can't wait for you guys to leave. (laughs) They're all very secretive. That's like oh, yeah. the like the root of the problem. So he he just like really enforces that secretivity. <laughs> and then there's Dr. Klopek, who is like he the does, least weird out yeah. of all of them. But he does have a first name, I just don't know what it is. I don't know either, honestly. But he's the one who is supposedly killing these people because mm-hmm. he's a pathologist. What's a pathologist? Uh, pathology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the science of the causes and effects of diseases, especially the branch of medicine that deals with the laboratory examination of samples of body tissue for diagnostic or forensic purposes. Interesting. Interesting. Well, he was... He would, I would say he's the least weird out of all the Klopeks. Yeah, like, he's not quite normal, but he definitely has a better understanding of, like, social norms. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and maybe, I, maybe he was a professor, did some work with the university, so maybe he's just had, like, more exposure. Because that's why they were gone, I think, is they were doing, like, some kind of presentation of his work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe he's just been, like, exposed to actual regular people <laughs> i think so too yeah because they were going to the university that's why they were gone that day yeah um so now that we've talked about the characters 
let's kind of go into what our, well, I guess what my expectation was, because I hadn't seen it before. Right, like, I told you it was going to be kind of like Army of Darkness, because I do feel like it's in that same vein of horror comedy, where it's not really, like, scary, but it's one that you could see playing on, like, Freeform during October, you know? Oh, yeah, I see that. It actually might be on their lineup. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Whenever we first started watching it, I was like, I've seen this before. But I hadn't, like, seen it all before. I just saw the beginning. And I was like, I saw this on, I saw this on TV. And so, it, you're probably not wrong. <laughs> like, right. Um, but going into it, I had no idea what it was about. I had never heard of it. Uh, but I had seen, like, that part on TV. Whatever. Um... And whenever you told me it was about, or kind of like Army of Darkness, I was I started thinking, and I was like, well, is it kind of like I don't know, t- like Tim Burton's movies, like those kind of yeah. You said you asked if it was like if it was like Beetlejuice. Yeah. And it was, in my opinion, like it wasn't as like because a lot of the special effects in Beetlejuice were like the the dead people and the, like sandworms and like almost like puppeteering mm-hmm. so the burbs didn't really necessarily have like that aspect of beetlejuice but it was like the same kind of humor almost and the same like quirk like it had that quirk about it where it's like here's an idyllic neighborhood suburban street everything is normal and perfect and like it's exactly what you would expect describing like middle of not middle of nowhere but like any town usa right yes it's like everything is perfect except this one house on the street yes and that's when you kind of like get into realizing that everybody on the street there's something wrong with everybody (laughs) basically and that's like everywhere like in, in real life like let's be real here all of your neighbors are probably weird yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, going into more of, like, the neighbors, uh, most of these neighbors were men. The Most of the main characters were men. and I believe that's because only a man would do something so stupid on such little evidence. right yes it yes and uh, like with art being the instigator just ugh. and he do men even like truly like women anymore (laughs) i feel in, in the case of art no because early in the film when he barges in on the petersons having breakfast and just helps himself to everything in their fridge ray is like where's your wife and he's like Oh, she went to her mother to her mother's for the weekend, and he was like, "Oh, you didn't want to go with him," and Ray was, "You didn't want to go with her, them." I don't know what I just said. Anyway, and he was like, "Are you kidding me? Like me alone with my wife and mother-in-law for a whole weekend? I don't think so." And then later in the film, like when she gets back, he's like, oh, "My wife," like <laughs> he did not want to be around his wife at all. And he was, like, so left alone, too. (laughs) It was funny. It was funny. And then, like, 
Mr. Rumsfield, like, he, he didn't necessarily hate his wife. But he, like, didn't really want to pay her much attention. Mm-hmm. That was, poor girl. Honestly. Also, if... I don't know if you noticed it, but whenever the men refer to the women, I don't think they ever say women. I think they say chicks or girls. They never, ever say women. I don't think I noticed them saying women. I don't think I did either, but if you notice, Carol referred to the men as the idiot squad, so... <laughs> rightfully reciprocated (laughs) well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she had a reason though to call them the idiot squad did she call them the idiot squad yeah I think so or maybe that was you that was me oh she should have called them the idiot squad because they definitely I think Carol's too nice to call them the idiot squad I don't know she stood up to them a little bit more than anybody else did but more in like a chastising a child way Uh, yeah she was definitely a motherly figure there was even a scene when she like grounded ray and like i feel like ray with his wife he doesn't hate her and he doesn't want to be apart from her but it's definitely like there's a weird weirdness about their relationship Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But she grounds him, and then Mr. Rumsfield, who also has a first name, I just can't think of it, and Art are, like, yelling up at him because he's outside on his balcony, and they're like, will you come out and, you know, play with us? And then he's kind of, like, motioning, like, oh, my wife is back there, and she comes out and says, no, he's staying inside today because he doesn't feel well. And they're, like, begging him, like, the way... Kids. kids would be like, oh, can can you please come outside? Like, And <laughs> Art even, like, kicks the ground in, like, a defeated... You know what I'm talking about? Yes. I don't know how to, like, describe it the best way, but it was very much like, like asking oh, your man. friend's mom if you can play. And she's like, nope. Oh, man. <laughs> but the role of women in this film is, like, almost non-existent where was bonnie when they were breaking into the house before it blew up because nothing really escalated like that until all of the women were gone i mean life imitates art (laughs) let me tell (laughs) you but and just the dismissal of anything they would say. Yeah, they were very... The men were very set in what they wanted to do, and they were not going to listen to any reason, especially if it came from one of their wives. Art was literally the worst. I cannot stand him. Like, they would they would, they would, would take advice from Ricky before they took advice from a woman. And Ricky is an idiot. <laughs> they don't even like Ricky. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of Ricky, I watched this, like some like bloopers or whatever mm-hmm. and um they were doing the scene where art grabs the cookies out of the fridge and then he busts the door open and like breaks it out of his hand like doesn't even knock it he shatters the plate in his hand i i like that scene a lot yes well cory feldman he kept on coming in on the wrong cue and you can tell like in arts the actor's face he was so irritated with Corey. Like, he was just like, oh my god. And then even, like, Tom Hanks started banging on the door. He was like, okay, you can do this. You can do it. Like, just trying to, like, get through it and everything. He was like, don't even reset. Just keep going. Just keep going, you know? 
And I was like, oh, that's really cool of Tom Hanks. He's trying to, like, chill it out. But yeah. You could tell he was a little bit frustrated, too. But I thought that was funny. I'll have to show you that later. Yeah, it came up in my recommended, but I didn't watch it. Oh, okay. Okay. And then next, we should talk about, like, where it was filmed. Yeah, you were telling me it has a pretty significant history. It definitely does. So, if you are into kind of older TV shows and movies, things like that, you might be a little bit familiar with Mockingbird Lane. So, Mockingbird Lane is the street on the back lot at Universal Studios, and it is, I guess, the stereotypical neighborhood street cul-de-sac and where a lot of things were filmed for example the Munster house you know the Munsters (laughs) (laughs) the Munster house was Corey Feldman's house okay and then um somebody said that Tom Hanks house was the Leave It to Beaver house, but then somebody else said that the Leave that the Clopex house was actually in the spot of Leave It to Beaver's house. Like they tore that guy's house down and built the Clopex's house. Hmm. But um the directors kinda well, what originally happened, they wanted to do it in like a normal neighborhood and then Dante jokes, he's like, oh, well, they're not going to let us blow up a house in the middle of a normal <laughs> neighborhood, you know? But he says, well, we can just use the back lot over at Universal Studios, whatever. And they do. And he said they wanted to have that stylized look. He said that a normal neighborhood looks way too normal to be able to film something like this. But this, like, super stylized, and you mentioned it while we were watching it, it's very camp. It is, and I love it. Yeah, it's perfect. But, I mean, like, I feel like knowing now that it was the Universal Backlot makes so much sense. Why do you say that? It just kind of has that vibe of, like, classic Universal. Like, 90s Universal... Because I think this was either, like, 89, 90, like, somewhere in there. But, like, that era of Universal is so, like, well-known and revered for what it was doing. Like, it's, like in the theme park world especially, which I kind of have a little bit of knowledge <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, but the backlot used to do, like, tours. And you yes. could, like, see all this, all the stuff, like, where everything was filmed. And, like, it just feels right that that would be there. Now that you mentioned that, let me tell another little factoid that I learned today. So, you mentioned the tours, right? So, back in the day, whenever they used to film, like, old, old, those old shows or whatever, mm-hmm. um, whenever those tours came by, they would continue rolling during those. So, sometimes whenever you hear, like, or in those old shows, some of the sound, it doesn't sound right, you know, mm-hmm. um... Because they had they had to take all that stuff out, you know, or they had to like loop all the sound together in a weird way, or it just it just doesn't match up right. Mm-hmm. So if you ever are watching any older shows like that that were filmed there, that's probably what you'll see. But during this, they 
or now more modern stuff that they film, they take breaks, like, whenever those tours come by, they don't film or anything, because you just can't, they're so loud. I think if I could time travel to do something, like, totally harmless, I would time travel to take a late 80s, early 90s Universal Studios backlot tour. That'd be interesting. I wonder, like, who all you'd see, well... Because I, I think it would be... I would also want to, like, obviously visit the Universal Parks. There was a lot of stuff in those parks at the time that, like, now looking back at it, it's like, well, oh, wow, I can't believe they, like, <laughs> let people go on that. But, like, it just looks so cool. Like, it was, I mean, like, King Kong and Jaws and, like, all these different... Totally not safe now, but <laughs> I feel like that would have been such an experience and to, like, go on that tour. Because I think... There might have been something that was, like, connected to that. Maybe there was also, like, a Universal Studios backlot tour, like, a theme park backlot tour, but but I don't know. I don't know. I feel like if, if I could time travel and do any harmless thing, it would be to visit visit over there and do that. Also, another interesting thing, like, there were, oh, at that time at Universal, there was... There was a writer's strike going on, so the only two, there was only like two filmings going on at that moment, and it was The Burbs and some other movie. I forgot, it was like a sequel to a movie or something, but they were literally like the only people working there. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So. I would like to make, um an edit to what I previously said about the rides at Universal. The King Kong ride is actually called Kongfrontation, not King Kong. Kongfrontation? I, I believe so, yes. I kind of... I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I really don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <laughs> oh my god. Back to the burbs. Back to the burbs. Yes. Take a trip back to the suburbs. <laughs> So, what did you like? I just liked the vibe. I get that. It does have a vibe. It has an aesthetic. Definitely. This kind of like... I don't know. Everything almost seems fake. Like, it's so perfect that it's fake. Like, watching it, you know this is a movie studio. Yes. Like, they did not film anything on location. (laughs) Which, like, I think that, like, adds to it, though. I don't think... I don't think that makes it feel phony or anything. I think that was almost the intention, though. Yeah. Not a phoniness, but, like... Just that specific exaggerated style. Like, it was a caricature yes. of suburban life. Yes. I love that. That's such a good description of it. Like, you hit the nail perfectly. And I love... And we're gonna start comparing it to things again the same type of film like heathers heathers had that aesthetic um i will say this one was a little bit brighter than heathers mm -hmm. like color wise yes but i think that just like adds to the the stylization of it yes and i also think what what that had to do with also was probably when it was made because wasn't heathers made earlier by a few years yeah Mm -hmm. so and it had Heather's had more of that graininess to it that you like. Well, it was also just, like, a darker subject matter Mm -hmm. taken to be more... Like, even though it was a comedy, it was a dark comedy. So I think they were, like, reflecting that. Whereas The Burbs was, like... 
I don't know. It wasn't trying to be a dark comedy so much as it was trying to be like a horror comedy without actually being horror. I'd say maybe what's the word starts with a T, I think. Not thriller. Oh. Okay, never mind. You don't. Oh, you do think it's a thriller? I mean, I guess like a thriller comedy. I mean, it's definitely a black comedy. But almost like instead of like black comedy like Heather's, it was black comedy like almost parody. Mm-hmm. Like very like Tim Burton esque. Yeah. I think I think just in general, like the look of it was more saturated mm-hmm. than Heather's yes. color wise. That's that's what I'm trying to think of. Saturation. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Like deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that look. I also liked that there were multiple endings. Like we didn't see they obviously like only picked one for the final release of the film. But Megan found a bunch of, like, alternate endings online, and one of them, maybe I'll count this as a dislike, one of them played the Mr. Rogers theme song, The Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, at the end of the film, and the real version of the movie didn't do that, and I wish they did. They should have done it. They should have done it. If it, if, if, if I had anything to do with it, (laughs) it'd be the original ending And they have that joke about L.A. in there because in the alternate ending that I found, Hans was talking, or no, Ruben goes off on how, or it's it's either Ruben or Dr. Kopech. He goes off on how, like, suburbia will drive you crazy and nobody. We moved here because it was quiet and people would leave us alone. Mm -hmm. And they did not. (laughs) And then Hans was like, even in L.A., they didn't ask a bunch of questions or figure us out or whatever, you know? And I thought that joke was funny, and it should have stayed in there. Yeah. Um, and I think his whole spiel could have been in there, too. Well, I think his spiel was done by art. It just, like, flipped perspective instead of, like, we moved here for the same reason that you moved here, and you should have just, like, left us alone because that's what we were doing for you. But instead, Art delivered that speech and was more like, yeah, if you're going to be a weirdo, we're coming for you. You know? Yes. Another thing I disliked, I don't know if you were about to move on, but I do want to say this. The movie kind of drags a little bit up until that, like, last 20 minutes. So you kind of have to be patient while the men are being idiots. (laughs) But... What would you say would be your final rating and scale of your rating? <laughs> so I already know what I'm going to scale it as. Um, I was kind of thinking last night, I really, really like this movie. I would say, oh God, I would say mm, 3.75 toupees. Mine, just to be consistent with my letterbox, which I'm still trying to encourage Megan to make one. But anyway, I would have to say that I give it four, um, four, who, hmm, (laughs) let's see, four pizza men out of five. Pizza men? Because every oh. time someone was like, man, I'm getting out of here, Corey Feldman was like, but the pizza man is coming. <laughs> and then when he finally gets there, he's in, like, a van. And when he opens the door, it's, like, 
full. There's like 20 pizza boxes in there. <laughs> that sounds really good, pizza, right now. Anyway, I'm hungry, so let's just get on out of here. What do you let's think? get on out of here, yeah. Make sure you follow us on social media so that you can send us your country music movie recommendations or your regular movie recommendations, which we'll take to um we're on twitter and instagram but our twitter is more active and if you don't know how to spell it which is very surprising but not not impossible (laughs) let me do it for you r-e-e-l-y-p-o-d-c-a-s-t really podcast (laughs) well that's it you can email us too Email us, too, yeah. Definitely. Nobody ever emails us. That is so sad. <laughs> I mean, Google and Twitter does, but... <laughs> <laughs> if I get one more email from Twitter, I'll snap. <laughs> anyway, we're hungry. It's great to be your neighbor. It's a beautiful it day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Wait, before you leave. Oh, oh... <laughs> We are just over the moon right now. <laughs> Living. 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 Meredith used to say it because you saw it. This morning, Matthew Lillard tweeted, or technically it was last night, he tweeted, I mean, it was just a TV, right? You'd think he'd survive. Hashtag stew. And with the announcement of Scream 5 and so many people being announced to come back for Scream 5, this is perhaps the best news I've gotten all year. Yes, I am so excited. Matthew Lillard will end coronavirus. I mean, I think he's trying. He could do it. Like, honestly. He has the strength. Yes, his spirit and soul. Anyway, we just wanted to come back. We're actually about to edit this episode. So, we just wanted to come back, record this really quick, and tell y'all because we're so excited. We are so excited. And let us just say, like the many other people on the internet who have also come up with this theory, we called it. Even though it has not been confirmed yet. Yes. Boom. All right, now for real, guys. Bye. Bye. Really?